Welcome to Blue State Conversations. This is our place to discuss the political theory from all sides, bridging the political divides that split our society. How's it going there, Will? I'm doing just fine, Matthew. How are you? Fantastic. You know, I'm enjoying the multiple mess that I go through every week. <laughs> How so? Well, you know, you just you can never seem to find one. It just it gets lost. Then you got to get a new one. Then that one gets lost. I've done three in one day. It's, 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 a, it's a great time. So that's how I lose pens. <laughs> yeah. And then socks. I always have one of every sock. Well, that's got to be great for your wife to figure out. For all those yeah. that don't know, you just got married. so That's you know, true. I did. I managed to get married, have over 100 people there, and not get uh, raided by the cops like the unfortunate Jewish households in New York. But we were we were able to have our wedding and everybody there and actually keep everybody safe, and we've had no cases so far. So Hey, well, that's exciting because it's been a few it weeks, is. so it's unlikely to happen at this point. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's been over two weeks, so yep, it would be... We would know. So now you can blame them. You can blame their decisions on some other thing that they did if it happens. Exactly. Perfect. Yes. Yeah. Not going to say it, but there's certain rallies that people have been holding all the summer that might have helped. It's very bizarre. People yeah. spending time with other people and, and getting coronavirus. It's almost like it makes sense. I don't know. I, Dr. Fauci didn't tell me what made sense, so I guess I don't know anymore. So yeah, I, I, today we got a little bit of an interesting one for everybody here. You know, a little bit different rather than just policy. This one's a little bit more about, I guess, a philosophical take on policy. So why don't you go ahead and tell everybody about it there. Have you ever told someone you had no secrets with them? You are probably a liar. As much as you can say, I'm an open book, you can probably name 10 things you wouldn't want your coworkers to find out about or be told to someone new or at your wedding. We want to present ourselves in a certain way. We want to be known for our good qualities rather than our flaws. As government and corporations grow larger, while the internet makes the world smaller, how does the old notions of private and public life continue? Third-party advertisements claim you gave away your information. Data mining continues to grow. Drone surveillance explodes in recent years. So the question of the show, is what exactly is privacy in an increasingly public world? Yeah, and I think that's a question not a lot of people are considering because it's it's easy to you know yell at Google for manipulating results, but at the same time, what are you giving them? You know, you, you want an optimized search bar, you want a Facebook timeline that shows you the stuff you want to see. So when you say, hey, I want an algorithm that curates things, and then they give you one, and then you get mad at them for curating things, <laughs> right? It's easy for those big ticket items to be something that people get upset about. But it starts with these these little small agreements that we sort of have between us and others about what counts as public. And there's like a social clause that takes place in this type of an agreement because in other places in the world, other than America, their relationship with companies and privacy is that they can't have any of it. And that is the stance that they take. Versus in the United States, our stance on it publicly is very much, we sign things, we don't read them, we say, okay, we make an account anytime we have mild interest in something and then move on with our lives. Right. You could probably uh, show up at my door in five years and go, hey, you remember that agreement you signed? I slipped in there that you owe me your first three kids. And I go, oh, I didn't read that. <laughs> It'd be easy enough to do that because how many people have been like, you get a, the new scroll to the bottom once? How many people literally just spin that wheel like it's on Wheel of Fortune and then they off they go and 
they had acknowledged and they've never read a single sentence. Yeah. So my formal education is in computer science. So there are many things that pop up where I'm just like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that people are signing away their rights to certain things. And some of them are creepy. You know, you and I are filming this with our voices, but we're also looking at each other through our webcams. When you say okay to creating an account with Facebook on your phone and you say yes to all of those different things for using their application, you are effectively letting them use your camera and your audio and your, from your microphone whenever they want. And this is one of those situations where in the ethics class that anybody would have gotten, they would be told it's extremely unethical to opt people in to things that they may not want. You shouldn't be requiring people to opt out of something that you don't like. You should be asking them to opt in. And Facebook, with many other companies, is essentially saying, well, we're letting people opt in at the very beginning when we ask for all of their permissions. That's not opting in. That's you forcing right. it down people's throats that they need to do this to get the best out of your service. Correct. A choice that isn't a choice, right? Yeah. Basically, hey, would you like turkey? Yes. Okay. Do you want ham? No. Well, you can only have uh, the turkey if you get the ham. Well, I guess now I want both. You know what I mean? It's not really a choice. You know, it's, you've, you've sort of said they made a choice, but there's no option. It's, it's either no or all. And that's not really giving somebody a choice of their own. And to use the same example with Facebook, there are people who actually are concerned about their publicity of what they post. And for a number of years, there's been this post going around that says, I don't give Facebook the rights to use any of my pictures or my public words, blah, 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 blah. And by posting this, they're not allowed to use it. I just love those ones. I'm like the first person to go and comment and be like, here's the Snopes article. This is ridiculous. You do realize you are using Facebook right now. You can't tell them that they don't have the right to use what you signed off on. Mm -hmm. Your best bet is to sign off forever and delete everything on your account. And even then, they're allowed to keep a copy of everything on your account. And they'll say that it's because they want to data warehouse all of your data. They have the rights to that. And they even have the mm -hmm. rights to use any of your pictures in their advertisements. So it, you know, it shouldn't be a shock that all those pictures that you see on that Facebook advertisement came from real people who more or less signed off on it when they started using that account. So when you sign on the dotted line without actually signing, just click OK on all these different things, you are effectively signing away a lot of your digital rights, or at least to the content you post on that network. Right. And so I think there are three categories that kind of go into this because we can obviously share stories all day about <laughs> data and privacy and, you know, it'd be, we'd be here, you know, next week. But I, I think the three main categories that things fall into that we need to make a decision on just sort of as a nation is private and government collusion, right? Because there's a lot of laws passed on limiting government, but private has a different set of rules. So you can have some interesting things where governments use private as a way to get around their limitations. Mm -hmm. Second one is, you know, just government safety and security. You know, you, you have issues with a lot of stuff is tracked or accessed or maintained by the government, or there are people who are in government who, you know, they have private and public lives at the same time. You know, the government sector is a massive part of <laughs> the U.S. economy. And then I think the third one is just ourselves, just our own definition of what privacy is and what we're going to say is a public matter or a private matter. Or maybe we don't think there should be public and private. Maybe we think that it should be more fluid or that there's a third category or a fourth category. 
So I think those three, and I think the first one I want to talk about because it's just the biggest one is that private government collusion. Because we did have recently, if everybody remembers back when, you know, the anti-lockdown protests dominated the news, Facebook was removing anti-lockdown protests at the request of states. So state governments were going to Facebook and saying, they're having a lockdown protest in violation of our laws, remove the group, remove the event page. I missed that. That was definitely something that didn't like make its way to mainstream news in any way. No, because it would be super illegal. But obviously what was happening is the states said, we requested it of Facebook. And Facebook said, we complied in the interest of national health. So they said, we used our private company at the request of government officials attempting to implement policy. And it's like, whoa, that's cute. But you sort of did... I mean, did they remove any of the BLM ones? No, they did not. Of course not. <laughs> right? Did they remove any of the, I don't know, any other events that were going on that people were planning? They did not. You know what I mean? They were finding private groups, secret groups on Facebook, and they were just deleting them. So can a private entity restrict what would be a normal legal right of citizens under a government, right? Because the citizens have the right to peacefully assemble. assemble. Mm-hmm. Right. And the government has strict limits on what it can and can't stop. That's a First Amendment right. You know, not it everybody is. thinks about it, but the right to peaceably assemble is in the First Amendment, which people tend to think is just the right for free speech. But there's actually five different pieces to that. Right. Well, and what happens when someone is engaging with a political figure and Twitter or Facebook or Instagram is removing comments between citizens and government officials? The question is, where does the line go where a private company is removing someone's First Amendment right versus they have the right to do that because they own the platform. Exactly. Can you have Google Home and Alexa recording your conversation? You know, maybe you're talking about what was just designated as terrorists, right? You have um, Antifa and the KKK. They're now both terrorist groups. Can we turn on their Google Homes in their houses and listen to them? Right? They're terrorists. Why can't we do that? But now you're saying, well, those are American citizens. Those, you know, they have a right to free speech. They have a right to assemble, you know, as long as they're not beating people up. You know, I mean, that would be a reasonable, even if you're a conservative, you'd have to agree with that. Well, to be fair, so as you brought up with, you know, Google and Alexa recording your conversations, Snowden, when he left the United States, he released that trove of documents. And one of the major parts that blew my mind about it was that the United States government had colluded with a number of private companies to make sure that emails and messages such as like Facebook messages would be sent to a data warehouse so that if they ever needed to, they could access that at any time. And this has been known and nobody has at any point said that those documents that he came out with are in any way false. So you just have to assume that if you're making a Facebook message as the ones that we literally go back and forth between the two of us every few days, those are all being copy and pasted somewhere else. You can't just assume that something that is private, a PM, a private message, is not private. You have to assume that the government is, under the guise of law, accessing all of those private messages. Right. Because, you know, that combat question right back is people saying, well, if you've got a group of 10 people, if you're doing an event, that's not a private event. Even if you have a secret Facebook group, it's a group. Most states would not consider a group of people getting together a private function. They would say that's public, right? So, you know, when people talk about privacy laws, you can record somebody's conversation while they're out to dinner because it's a public area. Some states are two-party consent. Some are one-party consent. I could record every conversation in some states with everybody that I know, and it's completely legal. 
I would disagree if you were in a public place, but then you went into a party room and now you are at a private event. You know, it, it depends where you draw the line. If I have 10 people at my house over Thanksgiving, that is a private event. It's in my house. Right. So somebody coming over to record at your house, that would be inside your house. You have an expectation of privacy there. But obviously, once you step on your front porch and somebody records you from the street because you're yelling at somebody, do you have an expectation of privacy? I'm, I'm in my house, right? And I'm on my land. Well, there's a reason why I don't walk around the house nude with the front window open. Exactly. You know, so you, you just have these things that are already in place that are for human interaction on just a person to person level. But now you're trying to introduce these into an online world where you can have person to person contacts, but it's not obvious right away whether each one is, I mean, I've actually seen people post, this is my Facebook wall timeline, whatever. And this is, you know, Twitter, whatever it is. And it's private. And it's like, it is not private. Whenever they decide to go buy the actual server that houses their data, they can come back to me and tell me it's private. Right. Because it's like, it's not, you just told a thousand people. If you told a thousand people something and went, well, it's a secret. I'd be like, it's not a secret, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but, and Facebook's going to hide behind that argument. Twitter's going to hide behind that argument. And so with the government, you're going to go, well, you're in a group with 5,000 people so that's not private. So we can have Facebook watch your data and then access all of your stuff because you said something concerning. And so now you can have private companies doing what the government normally would not be able to do for them. And that's kind of the problem there where you can have, you know, and especially if they're getting government contracts, there are companies that get government contracts that do something. What are they going to be doing? Well, we're a private company with a government contract, right? Where do these guys draw the line? Well, and then with like the election cycle in 2020, the concept that Facebook and Twitter, not only like it was one thing when they were putting something underneath shared news articles and saying whether or not it's true, partially true, partially not true or completely false. It's another thing entirely when you go and you block the fourth largest newspaper from posting on your platform unless you delete something that they've vetted. And you have to assume that if they're a lot large of a news company, they're not going to put their entire company at risk and post something that they know is false. Right. I mean, there's journalistic integrity, but also, I mean, think about what people can do in terms of just when you have a lawsuit for defamation against a public official, the public official has to prove that there was intentional malice, right? I mean, we learned that the Steele dossier was like, like even the FBI is at this point said, yeah, that was kind of made up. But if... Somebody reports on that. That's not defamation, right? Because they're going, well, it's a news story. We're reporting on news. There's no malice here. Yeah, we told the complete and utter lies, but not maliciously told lies. And then the court will sit there and go, that's true. You haven't been defamed, which is unbelievable, right? But is that something that we're going to continue to go into on Facebook? On you know, If somebody starts sending certain messages to somebody or sharing things, someone shares a meme that calls Michelle Obama a man, for example, is that defamation? Or Melania Trump having a body double that goes with Trump other places? <laughs> uh, that one too. I mean, how many times have you seen somebody say, you know, Obama is a, insert lots of words, mm-hmm. right? Not a citizen, doesn't have a birth certificate, made up birth certificate, those types of things. Right. Is that defamation? Is that malice? Right. You know, what if they say that in a private group? You have this issue here is what are we going to say for private companies when we're dealing with rights that we have as citizens when those private companies start interfering with them because, well, hey, Section 230, we're this, we're a private company. Lawsuits. That is how it gets handled. That's right. But 
which lawsuits, where the decisions, all of these things matter. And we also have to decide beforehand because we have to decide what's acceptable too. Because if we... As people? As people, just as citizens of a nation, how do you want to actually have this go forward into you know a new age where it's not just conversations between two people? And that brings us just right to you know that government and safety and security. Everything is online now. It's not a hard copy in a locked room with guards, right? <laughs> it's just in a data warehouse. And I remember the Ashley Madison hack. Yeah. Like it was a, basically it's a cheating website is what it is. <laughs> but 10 million individual accounts were exposed. Their name, where they live, <laughs> all of that stuff, right? And, you know, you could go read them. You could go hit right. control out, type in your say, friends' names. Yeah, I, I, I was seeing news articles for weeks about like how, like, do you know if your spouse is cheating? Come and look at yeah. this thing and search for them now. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's just gross. Not to mention the number of people that had to, you know, come out for lack of a better phrase to their partner or spouse to say that they'd cheated or that they thought about it. And so they have an account. And then like, where's your trust supposed to go from there? Because you had an account with this thing that's known for that type of behavior. Yeah, you have a lot of people who just their lives were ruined. I mean, imagine your parents finding out you had cheating on your, uh, you know what I mean? Or if you're single, it means you're the one they're cheating with. Now, you know, I mean, imagine that being your reputation. Usually in the past, that type of thing, if you were called a homewrecker, it lasted until you moved. If it's on the Ashley Madison website, you're basically on the sex register list for for future relationships. I'm sure you can still go find it and you can just type in somebody's name and go, I I wonder if you I guarantee you it's been copied and downloaded thousands of times. Yeah, there was a lot of interest that I had in one story where people were talking about that one of the greatest national security threats we have is Grindr because people conduct a lot of their hookups. You know, I mean, think of all of those politicians that get found out to be gay. You know, they have a wife, four kids, and then all of a sudden they're caught with somebody in the hotel room or if you're Andrew Gillum and his floor meth. But, you know, you have people who there's a database. They have photos of them that could be career ruining It even shares locations. So you can download the person's locations of where they are. You know, you can have real identity trace because you have to have an email attached to it. So they might be able to find somebody's real identity. Who's this person? You can track their email down. And then you can say, hey, so you're a so-and-so at Department of Defense. Extortion. I've got these photos of you. Extortion, right? Here's so-and-so. Here's the photos. We know you did this. If this came out, you would be done. You're going to jail for life if this came out. So now you're going to do this for us right? You know, credit cards tell stories just as much. The Journal News in New York published during when there was the big gun control debates going on. It was a newspaper and it published a list of gun permit holders in their home locations on a map, right? And they obtained it with a Freedom of Information Act request. The irony of this is that it's not the people who have guns should be scared. It's the people who don't. Right. Well, that's exactly. So it's like at first people like that's a huge invasion of privacy. That's true. But I also now have a handy dandy map that tells me who doesn't have a gun in this area. (laughs) Right. I'm sure gun sales skyrocketed right after that. (laughs) Yeah. Oops. And this is supposedly through an act that is to help us. Right. This is for our transparency. But it's like this is the wrong kind of transparency. Right. There are some things that we do want to have kept a secret. But at the same time, you have things that are too much secret, like the FISA courts. Right. I mean, how many times have we heard about, you know, somebody's on the the no fly list? Well, they never heard about that. It's tried in front of a judge where they're not there for it. Yep. FISA warrants. It comes up all the time. You're reading some type of news article and you're like, how the heck did this happen? And it says, oh, they got a FISA warrant. And you're just like, what does that mean? (laughs) 
Well, somebody snapped their fingers and gave them a warrant so they could do whatever it is that they asked for on whatever shred of evidence they had at the time. Right. And it's like, well, you've got red flag laws. You know, if somebody brings you in and saying, I think he's a danger, that's on record now. And somebody can go get that information. And even if you've never committed a crime or there's no, you know, you know, you're just like, hey, look, I trip sometimes and I'm clumsy. And she thought I was like, you know, whatever. Suicidal. But people, but, yeah. yeah, she thought, yeah. You know what I mean? Or, you know, I knew somebody who they jokingly said they were going to shoot their three cats for clawing at them. And their relatives all thought that the person was completely serious. Like he's going to actually shoot. They, they called the person's, you know, girlfriend. And they were just like, hey, he's going to go shoot his cats. And you're sitting there going. Ah, yeah. you know what I mean? No, he's not. And then she was like, well, they deserve to die anyway. And then they right, were shocked exactly. Out. Yeah. But imagine that person having a red flag law in their history, trying to get a government job with a background check or something like that. You know what I mean? You just murdered somebody's career, right? And each of these problems have come from a government need, right? There's a transparency law. But at the same time, a lot of these things you're saying, I expect that there's a expectation of privacy. And I mean, how many government databases are we having with Patriot Act, with healthcare being slowly more and more nationalized? In Massachusetts, doctors can ask how many guns are in your home, and that's something they can bring up. That goes a few steps further than the question my wife was asked while she was pregnant, which was, do you feel safe at home? Which I always thought was a very interesting question. I talked about with my wife. I was like, it's an interesting phrasing. Do you feel safe at home? Especially when I, I almost wondered why they didn't just turn to me and say, hey, would you leave the room for a moment and ask that question? Because I'm thinking if you're asking somebody who's actually not safe at home, they're not going to tell you when their spouse is standing next to them. <laughs> yeah. Like, hello, right. <laughs> I would actually be I would have felt more OK with it that way if they said, hey, like we have some questions that we, you know, da and then at the very least, ask the patient, like, hey, do you feel comfortable with him being here while we ask you some, like, mandatory questions and da 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 Like, that would be okay. Like, I'm not her parent. Like, I'm her spouse. Right. That's acceptable to me. Now, it just blew my mind how they can ask these questions. And they are, in some cases, they could be important questions to ask. But if they're going to ask how many guns are in the house, are they going to follow up with, do you take proper precautions and keep them in a safe Right, what happens if your three-year-old gives the wrong answer? Is it, you know, is SWAT coming through your door? Well, don't ask yeah. the child, <laughs> ask the parent. But to give you an example of what you just talked about, my two sisters and I were homeschooled for a number of years, and we'd go to the pediatrician's office every year, and they would ask us questions that you know that they weren't asking children that go to public schools. They were normal people. And so right. I remember my mother telling me that my sister went to the pediatrician, and when asked what her favorite food was, she responded with, cheese curls. My mother was not pleased, and she had to oh, follow yeah. that up with, your favorite food, honey, but we also feed you lots of vegetables. We also feed you right. lots of other things that make a balanced diet. And she took my sister out to the car and was like, you can't say that to the doctor because they want to make sure that you're like an actual human person that's being well taken care <laughs> of. You can't say things like that. I know it's your favorite, but you have to be you careful because people will just assume that things are not okay. And to give another example of this, when I was extremely young, 
I was probably, I don't know, I was just a really tiny under kindergarten age, way under that. I was probably like two or something. I thought it was awesome and fun to run towards my mother and like see if I could knock her down. And so she wisened up to this. And so she heard me coming. Dun, 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 dun. And she held onto the wall and I bounced off of her and cracked my head off the corner of a wall. And so that's right. So my, my head cracked open. She saw blood coming out. She went, oh my gosh, I need to take my child to the emergency room. Gets the emergency room. The nurse asks her, what happened? And she said, well, she told the nurse what I just said. And she said, okay, I understand that that's like really upsetting to you. You can't tell anyone about this. You cannot tell people this is what happened. Just say that he fell and that he cracked his head off of the concrete outside. Do not say that he bounced off of you. That is not okay. Somebody could call the right. Child Protective Services and get your children taken away. So she right. was terrified. She's like, she's like, my son is going to get taken away because of something he did. You know, right. and, and obviously, like, that's, you know, my two sisters and I would not say that we were abused through our childhood. And I mean, like, my sister who fell right. and broke her arm outside and my mother didn't just run to her aid until she came inside and was like, hey, I think something's actually wrong. That doesn't make my mother a crazy person. It just means that, right. you know, kids hurt themselves sometimes and you think it'll be OK because they'll recover. But it's this type of hysteria and fear that lots of different people promote that we have to be careful about because people do have rights to a certain extent and you need to reduce your confusion and upsetness to only call you know 911 for actual emergencies only calling the CDC for actual issues because you can ruin somebody's life in an instant and they may not deserve it at all and you might just ruin the child's life as well and you know this type of an instance Right. Because, you know, obviously uh, kids being kids can look horrific at times. And it takes someone like that nurse understanding, look, kids are stupid. And being able to respond, because if she had gotten a different nurse that day, you might have DCF, you know, you might have. And it's like, look, he was running at me. He did this. I thought it'd be funny. You know, he just bounced off me. You could have an issue that shows up when it happens. It's one way, but you can get a bad read at the court hearing, you know. Yes, her child was headed towards her, and she intentionally knocked him backwards into and cracked his head open. And you're saying, that's not how it worked. You know what I mean? You're, you're getting, that's not the right words. And you have to remember, there's a government need to find abuse, right? Nobody's for abuse. We want transparency into certain government programs or government-related dealings or financials, right? Because that's good. You find people with fraud and corruption and stuff like that. At the same time, there is an expectation of privacy people have. So... In terms of how just the government safety and security argument, because you're going to run into that every time, what exactly should government safety arguments stop at or before, or is there like a limiting principle that you have when you're dealing with this? Because why not just give them access to everything, right? We'll just, we'll sit 30,000 people in a room. They'll just go through everything and we'll, we'll find all the abusers and all that, you know what I mean? And then they'll just come get you. And then, hey, if you're not an abuser, you know, what the old what do you have to hide argument, right? The old, you know, if you're not doing anything wrong, what do you have to hide, right? In Massachusetts, we've had this issue with the fact that technically anybody who sends each other a nude Snapchat under the age of consent is technically distributing child pornography. Right. Now, obviously, you're not going to go arrest a bunch of 14-year-olds for child pornography, <laughs> right? Because it's like, look, well, they're being 14, you know, they're, they're being 14, you know, this is the first hot guy that's had an interest in, you know what I mean? You're sitting there going, that's, that's not it. So they're having an issue with, we want to change the laws. But the problem is they're trying to figure out a way to change the law without accidentally being like, 
child pornography is like a misdemeanor, right? Because you don't want to make a mistake that way as well. And now you have to protect it in the sense that it's only minors who can do it and get away with right. it. But now you've set up a situation where you're going to connect abusers who are already looking for those people and say like, hey, will you send me a, a, a nude pic? And it's like a 12-year-old. And then as right. soon as they send that, well, they're fine, but the other person's to blame for asking for it. And then what? Right. How do these minors get away with this stuff, but then at a certain age, it changes. You're 15 one day, and it's, it's completely fine. Then you're 16, and all of a sudden you're being arrested because you're 16 and they're 15, right? This has been kind of a struggle that the lawmakers have been kind of going, what do we do? Because they're like, we obviously are not going to put somebody away for years and years and years and years because... I have the solution. They're not allowed to send pictures, period. Done. Right. <laughs> Done. Just, Hammer. We're going to, we're just going to end Snapchat. What a, yeah. That's we'll it. Ban it. Like TikTok is supposed to be banned, but that, I was very sad that didn't go through. But I think that also just, you know, for that last category, it does come down at a certain point to ourselves. You know, we constantly broadcast our feelings and emotions and moments externally. My wife and I have a particular person who um, annoys the crap out of us because. Just one. Just one. Yeah. But just for their online activity, it's a constant stream of mundane things in a very overtly melodramatic tone mm. you know it'll be her daughter's into dance and gymnastics and stuff and it'll be like this post it'll be you know she's been up all night she's been bouncing off the wall she's been doing this are there any other parents out there who've had to deal with a daughter who likes to dance and i'm going yes all of them why are you posting this <laughs> How many other people have, you know, photo after photo after photo? I was just going to say, my favorite is like the one where I have a friend where she's like, I was a size four last year, but this year I'm a size 10 and I'm not <laughs> sure how to feel about it. That I No joke. That's a quote. But I've seen that so many times from other people. <laughs> and, and then the comments are just like, oh my gosh, girl, you're so fabulous. And I'm just sitting there watching this and I'm like, actually, it sounds like you're hurting and you have some mental issues you need to deal with. And your friend shouldn't be telling you, oh my gosh, your life is so amazing. You're so gorgeous. They they should be saying, hey, you know, do you need to talk? Like, how are you doing? Can we have right. a conversation offline? And maybe you should seek a therapist at some point. Right. And I mean, these people posted things thinking, oh, my friends are going to see it, comment on it. It's going to be great. And now their posts, even though they're anonymous, are now on a podcast. You can see how this just happens because when you broadcast these things, they become public. And since they become public, they're for use. And technically, they posted publicly. I could say their name. <laughs> I could say who it is. <laughs> of course. You know what I mean? But is that doxing? You know, I'm not giving is out their right? home address. Is it ethical? Right. No, absolutely. There's a reason why I'm not going to say their name right now. And they're a truly nice person, an old childhood friend. Like, I understand where she's coming from. And so, you know, I don't want this person to you know, hurt. However, there are times where I'm just reading different things and I'm just like, okay, I don't need to unfollow you, but I love the snooze for 30 day button. That is beautiful. I've been using that so much because I do like hearing about these people and I don't want them to like disappear from my world. But at the same point, you reach a certain place where you're up to like here and that's like the middle and then you're like 90% and you're just like, I don't need to hit 100 and lose it on this person because I still uh, like you as a person. Right. But I mean, how many times have you seen just a family fight occur on Facebook? Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. Oh. Or worse. I, I like there's those people that I feel they, they have to defend that other person that's in their family on somebody else's post. Yep. And it's like, don't do that. Oh, I know. I, I saw a father and son go at it for 30 minutes and the son called his dad a racist on Facebook. Well, that's really awkward. You know what I mean? And I was just going, why am I watching this now? 
<laughs> and then they were at each other's, you know, having Thanksgiving together. And you're going, Did, didn't you just call him a racist? But, you know, you see these things at broadcast. And, I mean, how many times have you seen somebody, oh, I just private messaged 10 people about the fact that you guys sort of are divorced. You know what I mean? You, you get something like that or somebody talks to you about one thing and then a year later, all of a sudden, you find out, well, we're not friends anymore. And they took some of those private things that I said back when we were best friends and they've shared them with everybody else, you know, and you're going, well, you know, that was like one night we were drunk and I, was, and I said some stuff that I normally wouldn't say and oh, she went back and found them, you know, and I know somebody that has had an allegation made against him in terms of a harassment case and he put it on his Facebook you can go on there, you can kind of read about it. He obviously didn't give out every detail, but he, he said what was kind of going on. And, you know, you it definitely attracted attention. It's public, you know what I mean? And then all of his friends went and asked him about it, his private post to all of his friends. I mean, famous people's families being private is a laughable idea in this day and age. If you're a public figure, it's just not right. going to happen. Right. If you say, I'd like some privacy, it just means that it's less cameras. You had the big iCloud hack several years ago. And honestly, a lot of the defenses from those people were pretty reasonable defenses. They were, look, we're just trying to have our own lives. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's correct. You know, you're trying to be a normal human being off the cameras when you're not on the red carpet and in front of the screen and doing, you know, but at the same time, it's kind of like, you do have to remember <laughs> you're public now, you know, but we do have to decide what we want privacy to be going forward, right? Because you have to decide how you're going to treat it. Unfortunately, for so many of those people, if there's no line or they have to uphold everything. So there are some people that are well known for being in the public sphere, but they say absolutely nothing about their private life on any of the cameras. And in fact, there are so many YouTube videos of them telling people like, no, I keep that to myself. The most prominent type of conversation where people keep it to themselves is their love lives. They will say, oh, I'm not here to talk about myself. I'm here to talk about and promote the movie. If you're not going to ask me about that, then we don't really have anything to talk about. It's so fun to watch those types of awkward interviews right. because you're just like, oh, burn, burn. Right. It's like watching Tony Stark, whose actual name is Robert Downey Jr., and watching him be asked about his previous drug addiction and drug use in a formal interview setting right. and, and having him be like, are you going there right now? Are you really doing that? And then being like, okay, we don't have anything to talk about. And watching him stand up and leave the interview. And it was just right. like... Wow. Like the interviewers in this country need to remember that they have absolutely no right to discuss people's private lives without their consent. Right. And if you don't ask for consent to talk about things with a softball question, they absolutely have the right to leave. And it won't be them that people will be talking about like, oh, how dare he not want to talk about his past drug abuse? Oh, no. They'll be like, wow, he asked such an insulting question. Meanwhile, this person has completely turned their life around and is extremely well known and single handedly helped other castmates to make you know better money than was anticipated. I'm pretty sure he had something to do with some of the females on his team being given significantly more money and being paid up to what they thought was appropriate for their acting careers. And we could get into to how actors and actresses are overpaid in the first place, but that doesn't matter. It's just that <laughs> he actually stands up for his cast members, despite, you know, he could take all the money for himself and just like do nothing after that. So right. people like to ask questions as if they have the right to those answers. And it's just not so. It's just that people get to decide what they're willing to give out. And if they don't give it out, then it's private. And I think that's kind of where you end up as a private person in the United States is you get to decide what is public or private. 
and you get to decide if you're going to make your career being in the public or private sectors. And that's your choice. Right. I mean, it boils down to the question of, is TikTok bad because it's owned by China or because it collects data? Both. Both, right. All both. of it. It's also bad because the actual thing that people are doing is dumb. Oops, did I say that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's one or two accounts I like, but basically it's just the old Vine accounts. Do you do but TikTok? Yeah, I do not. I, I do I, not. Just, much fun as communists having all my data is. No. But if you think about it, a lot of people who are like, oh, you know, we got to get rid of TikTok, we got to do this. The reason they agree with it is because they're like, well, it's owned by China. It's like, no, it's because it collects your data. Mm-hmm. So why it's bad, right? It's, it's not bad because China owns it. You know what I mean? Well, this is where I have to throw in the necessary comment that you're not really allowed to have an opinion unless you've used TikTok. That's true. I, I, I did forget that we are not allowed to have opinions on things as long as we're, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Oh, sorry. It just, that was just a fun thing to throw in there because it's I, always a good I know, time. exactly. Triggering statement. This happened recently with Expensify. Expensify's CEO sent an unsolicited email to his entire customer base saying vote for Joe Biden, right? And then got slammed for it. Oh, he got absolutely slammed for it, which is what he should be doing because that is unbelievable. But can you imagine, you know, like, again, this is a guy who had access. Is it bad because... He sent an email voting for Joe Biden, or is it bad because he used a database that's not supposed to be used for that reason, right? Which one is it? And, you know, and of course you're sitting there, now he's going to get retirement severance and everything. But is it bad? Because a lot of times we think things are bad in terms of, oh, well, this was misused by this person. And it's like, yeah, because the misuse is there. It's available for that person to do. You know, it's available for these problems there. Well, it's the type of misuse because obviously I get very upset when people start a reply all chain at my workplace, but that's not grounds for being fired. Not yet anyway. Right. (laughs) Exactly. But you see people who, you know, this is the company chat app and they start political opinions, they have personal opinions, they're asking people out and then they're going, oh, I I don't understand. Why am I in front of HR? And it's going, well, you, you can't ask Susan that question that way there. But, you know, and it's just... Because everybody knows like letters. You don't open other people's letters. You know what I mean? You don't, when somebody says we're having a private conversation, you don't ask what's in the, everybody knows that. But the second it moves into DMs, PMs, posts, groups, the second it moves into that, people have no clue. Right? This is private, but that's not private. You know, hey, I posted this privately to my 1,400 friends. That's not private. Come on. It's 1,400 people. And again, we talked about at the beginning. We want to present ourselves in a certain way, right? We want to be known for what's good about us. If everybody was introduced to a person as like, yeah, that's uh, so-and-so, he's a jerk, he's absolutely terrible. I, I don't think a girl has ever even looked at him. The second you know you introduce somebody like that, and then, then you could go on and find out the reason he does that is he has a, this high-level government job, so he can't talk about what he does in his life, and you know he can't date people because he spends so much time at work, and you can find out something else like that. But that little introduction, Right. I could tell you some small stories and say this is that and then I can just ruin that person's reputation, their friendships, their lives. And we have to decide which things are private, which things are public. And that has to be addressed by us first, because the the culture and politics will follow after that. Right. If everybody in the country decides one thing, the politicians will follow. Politicians are not that stupid to go. Hmm. Everybody thinks that. But I'm going to do the exact opposite. Politicians, they will only go for things that they think people support, you know, that they think they have the support for. If, if, if everybody's going, hey, look, that's not it, it's easy for somebody to suddenly <laughs> go, I'm not for that anymore. I know I was like two years ago, but we're not doing that anymore. 
I mean, Joe Biden from year to year has a different stance on everything just based on what he thinks will get him elected. Mm-hmm. Every time. Yeah, he's for fracking, he's against fracking, he's for it, he's against it. He was pro-traditional marriage right up until everybody... Well, hey, look, the, man, the president sets the agenda, <laughs> so I have to follow <laughs> the president and dot, dot, dot. I have to... Exactly, the president sets the agenda. I'm sorry, I listened to that just yesterday, so it's fresh on my mind. I guess if I don't vote for him, I'm not black, so... Well, you already um, weren't black. Oops, was that a spoiler? I know, a spoiler. Yeah, it just ruined it. I have no credibility anymore. Ugh. You can't listen to me. I was banned by Twitter as you said it. It was unbelievable. You're white um, and a man? <laughs> you cis person. I, I know. I've been born a poor black child, right? What's the Steve Martin quote? I mean, if you identify <laughs> that way, I can't stop you. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, the opening to the jerk. I was born a poor black child. Ouch. But yeah, the... You couldn't make that nowadays. <laughs> but, you know, you, again, you do have to decide what family matters is going to be private. You, know, you have people blasting their family online. You have people going to friends and groups. You have people calling into hotlines talking about, here's my problems in my life. And they're saying, my name's this and this is my wife's name. <laughs> you're like, oh, my gosh. You know, and you're like, I hope they told them to use fake names. But how many times do celebrities get together and break up and all of a sudden it's, Here's the dirty secrets about him and here's the... Oh, and it's so sad. It's like the latest one that I read was with Demi Lovato. And it was just, it blew my mind because for her relationship and the way that they played out, broke up and her ex was saying, oh, I found out that we were broken up from a tabloid. That was the first thing I read. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like this is going to be so dumb. I don't even care. And now I'm being forced and inundated with information about some romance that they had in quarantine together that nobody saw, has pictures of, or cares about. Right. And then she releases a song and then she writes an, a thing and saying that he was trying to use her to raise his own like value to Hollywood and all that jazz. And then you're just like, okay, that's great. Nobody cares. Move on. Please leave and take your private life elsewhere. And then it gets me kind of sad because I realize actually people read this stuff, you know, like that's oh, what they look for. They eat it. People love it. And that's the thing. If, if you're picking up the tabloid going, wow, this is amazing. Ed Sheeran slept with who? And then you turn around and go, privacy is very important to me. Yeah, okay. You know, at what, where, you know, you got to start making that decision. You know, people who are like, I can't vote for Donald Trump. He said, grab women by the wherever. Can't do it. And you go, well, that was in a private conversation with somebody. You know, it's he, at the time that was kind of the persona that he was having and stuff like that. You know, you don't have any comments you don't like. They're going, well, it's not private anymore. And you're well, like, I did appreciate how Candace Owens responded to that situation. She was in a room with a lot of other similarly, you know, with this people of the same skin tone as her. And she was like, okay, come on. She was like, you guys know how people are. Did you not agree with the context of what he said, which is that fans will literally do anything for you? And then she was like, come on, the music that you guys listen to, it's way worse than that. So you can't just be like, wow, we're so amazing. We have incredibly high morals yeah. for what we listen to and what we consume and then right. blast somebody else for their lack of morals. Well, the perfect one is, you know, that was said back in the early 2000s. And just recently, there is an entire spate of articles talking glowingly about how Ed Sheeran slept with the entire Taylor Swift squad. And he was talking about how it was easy. He goes, yeah, it was easy. That's creepy. I didn't see that. Right. And they were and people were sitting there going, well, you know. That's true. It is. Isn't that amazing? Wow. A guy like that with a guy like, wow, gives hope for the rest of us. <laughs> what? The context of gingers not being attractive? Uh, yeah, no, right. Whatever. <laughs> whatever that is. Right. And, they, you know, but you had, there's YouTube videos about people talking about it. You, know, you can go on and see that. But 
when Donald Trump was telling that guy, you know, that now because it's political, right? Because when these stories came out, Taylor Swift hadn't gotten political yet or super political. She had done a very good job of saying, like, I'm, I don't do politics. You know? Well, she did that for the countryside, and now she's willing to drop that because her money is protected and solely entrenched in pop music that it doesn't bother her now, and it doesn't bother most of her <laughs> listeners anyway because right. she's transitioned to modern pop. So, But those two stories exist in the same world, and, you know, Ed Sheeran is not being dragged up and down the country, getting canceled and doing all these things, right? The same people who were writing about Donald Trump are sitting there going, oh, yeah, wow, isn't that amazing? Wow, what a guy. Look, good for him. Well, the same thing goes next to, like, Cardi B announcing to a bunch of different people that she's totally drugged a guy and, like, left him for dead, basically. Him. Yeah, exactly. She would take guys to the hotel room, rob them, and, uh, yep. And so she's still touring. She still has record deals. She still has all that. But, you know, the second somebody says, you know, sexual impropriety will not be... In, you know, so you have to start making decisions about what is acceptable, what isn't, you know, what are your principles, what are you doing with all these privacy, public, what things should be private, what things should be public, and you have to actually apply them. So when somebody does cross the line, you have to actually all stand up and go, hey, 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 because I, I can tell you, I love a good, you know, what did somebody do? Oh, my God. You know what I mean? But everybody loves a good outrage. Right. Exactly. But it doesn't mean that you should be contributing to it and continue lighting the fire. In fact, more of us need to be willing to take a stand and say, this is unacceptable. This is unacceptable. It's the same thing that happened when, was it, the New York Times released an article saying that they had Donald Trump's tax records. And I read most of that article. And when I got to the end, I was thinking to myself, the scary thing here is that it says that what they're able to see was shared with them by somebody who had legal access. And I was reading this and going, oh my gosh, like... It just because they had legal access did not give you right. any right to read what they had legal access to. And if this right. had been somebody else, like if this had been Joe Biden, we'd be outraged. Well, Hunter Biden, the, the Hunter Biden laptop, the, the first stories out about it were like, this is not OK. You're not supposed to. That's someone's private laptop. That's right. If it was Don Jr., we would have been like, oh, my gosh, he's not allowed to run ever again. You know, and right. and it's so it's that disparity. You need to hold people accountable at the same standard. And the standard should be that they have the right to their own privacy. Right. And then I think what we should be able to do is just decide. We know what privacy is in terms of outside of the online world. And then we have to start figuring out what we want to do with that online world. I mean, because you, you can always name five people who have no clue what privacy is. But again, is it you who's broadcasting it you know when is something private you have to make these decisions and you have to say well you know what that isn't private anymore and then because it, it's very hard because once you start translating it's easy when you have a screen name when you have things that protect your privacy where you can blast about somebody else's privacy i mean how many people engage in online behavior that they would never do in person right so I many mean, I, you see it on the facebook comments you see it on youtube comments i was blown away the first year that Google set it up so that your YouTube comments were using your real name. Because somehow I feel like people were extremely mean on YouTube, but they're actually starting to realize that it's attached to them. And it blows my mind how mean people will be on Facebook where it's also their name. It's not some nameless forum. Nobody is anonymous. Right. But I mean, think about it. How many subreddits engage in brigading when Every single one of those people, if you just showed up at their house and started like blaring horns or something outside of it, would be like, you know, I can't believe you would do something like this. How you know, and you're dare like, you? Exactly. But because, you know, their ex-Trump supporter 
something something they you know they're going to jump into right these sorts of decisions have to be made and i know it's kind of vague to say make decisions right yeah that's kind of vague right but i think the reason that we're saying make decisions is by starting a process of saying okay what is privacy and what are we going to do with it that involves a whole host of conversations that we have to all make at different parts of society, right? You know, what, what's privacy for kids? Because that's different than privacy for adults. You know, husband and wife is different than me and my friends, right? That there's so many different things that we can't just sit here and list out every single subgroup. But when we say make decisions, we say, don't just leave it up to, I think this feels right now. It means start with some principles now about how you're going to go forward into these situations, and then you're able to make decisions and restrain yourself or let yourself go, whichever one you need to do, that will actually create a more positive, cohesive society because those sorts of things are going to be what keep us from just becoming this, you know, this is my avatar on the internet, this is my avatar over here and then over here, or it'll keep you from having these, you know, hey, wait a minute, I I thought I had privacy. Well, you used to, and then you told everybody that you didn't want, you know, because you can start to take things on face value. Patriot Act, Everybody wants to take down terrorists. Everybody does. But not everybody wants to give away every single little thing in their house, right? Is Alexa always listening? Is that good or is that bad, right? How many times have we heard about the people saying, you know, I can't believe Jeff Bezos made money. And then all of a sudden, they've got Amazon packages right on their front door. And you're going, that's how he made his money. That's you, right? And you can apply that across the spectrum. Are you doing the things that you're saying people shouldn't do? Because when you start saying, hey, look, privacy for me is this, and then you do it to somebody else and break your own rule, then that person's going to go, well, I'm doing it back to you. Right? <laughs> and we, we talked about this in an earlier episode where people go back and forth on eye for an eye, just keeping things private. You know, Are you having marital difficulties? It's not the time to go tell somebody else about it. You know what I mean? I can't believe how many times I've had somebody just been like, yeah, I've, I've, how you doing today? I'm not doing so well. I've got my boyfriend. He's, you know, he's not great in the bedroom. I'm going, Saturday morning, what are you doing? You know what I mean? <laughs> they're like, well, you know. Then the next day they're like, hey, sorry I brought that up. If you could like never mention that. And I'm like, sorry, you brought, you had to type this out. <laughs> you know, people who are, they know at work, different than how they act around their friends outside of work or different from how they, and when you start bringing that into online, government, private companies, all these different scenarios and you start saying, well, it's just whatever I feel is going to be right in this moment. You're going to have these massive breaches of privacy and then we're going to go, oh, wait a minute, that was wrong. But we'd rather, I think for me, I would rather that people aren't on Ashley Madison rather than right, having it through the hack. I would rather that Facebook is not protected from doing the bidding of government to go after you when you're supposedly safe I'd rather that that's just considered like a no-no from everybody rather than people going, well, I don't like that group, so that's good. Mm -hmm. And that's what I mean by you need to make these decisions because you have to start making these decisions now in, in terms of your conduct and your behavior and your principles. And then you'll be able to, when somebody comes up and says, hey, I want to talk about, you'll be able to go, oh, no, we're not, we're not, actually, that, that I'm going to consider that private. I, I would never talk about that. And I don't want to put you in a position that I would not want to be in, right? You have to be able to have those conversations. Because again, people have confidants. They have mentors. There are people who have, you know, legitimate, intimate relationships for certain reasons. 
I think we have to start deciding is, is everyone now our mentor? You know, <laughs> if you're on the internet, you know, like that person I was talking about, they put their mentors are, they, they look for the likes and the comments from everyone else on the internet to get them through their day. And that can be very, very dangerous. And it can also be dangerous for Facebook to start suppressing certain viewpoints and groups and activities that are normally protected.